This podcast is presented to you by Pastors Tom and Bonnie DeShal from Celebration Church in Harare, Zimbabwe. For more information, please visit celebrationmen.org. I want to talk about first fruits. First fruits. But as I was watching the uh, presentation this morning about all the firsts, one thing I realized about my life is that every time there was a first, I dedicated it to the Lord. I dedicated my life. I dedicated the service. I dedicated, everything was a first. And, I, and we did dedicate everything to the Lord. I don't, I'll never forget our first service. In fact, our first month of services, there was not enough money for Bonnie and I to receive a salary. We didn't have any money. And it was very, very touch and go. Thank God we had members that would bring groceries and things to us. But it was a very, very hard time for us. And I couldn't pay my rent. And uh, we were just believing God. Now, the church grew after that. But the first month, we got down to, we were having morning and evening services. And I'll never forget, I dedicate everything that we received to building the kingdom of God, to building the church, and to building and paying the rent at the Harry Margo, or at the uh, Mount Pleasant Hall and all the things we were doing. And uh, I'll never forget, we got to the final Sunday service. We had morning and evening services. The evening service, after the morning service, everything was paid. The, the accountant came to me and says, hey, we paid the budget. He says, uh, and, and they basically said, this evening service, whatever we receive in the offering will be your salary. <laughs> I'll never forget, it was the best $218 I've ever received in my entire life. And, uh, you know, God sustained us and God continued to bless us. And, you know, when you do something by faith, you trust the Lord. And, but you, if you dedicate it to the Lord, the Bible says, if the first is blessed, then the rest will be blessed. In fact, just put the scripture up in the book of Romans here. The Bible says in Romans eleven sixteen, 16, it says, for if the first fruit be holy, the lump is also holy. And if the root be holy, so are the branches. So I want to talk to you about firsts. You know, first things are very, very important to God. And if the first fruit, the very first thing is holy, then everything else is holy. If the root is holy, then the branches are. And what that simply means, whether it's your marriage or it's your family or your life or your business or your position or your title, he says if you dedicate it to the Lord, if you make the first right, Everything else will prosper and be blessed out of it. I've had lots of firsts in my life that I did dedicate to the Lord, and I've seen that everything that burst out of that has had a seed of blessing on it. When I look at many of the people that I've led, I've seen that in some cases they have not done that. And so what happens is because they don't lay the right foundation, when they build on it, eventually what they build crumbles, it falls, it fails. It's very important that we lay good foundations. It's very important that the first thing that you do is right. When we built this building, many people would drive by, and I had collected millions of dollars by then, but they would drive by, and then they accused me of stealing the money because they couldn't see anything. Where's all that money going? Well, if you want to know the truth, there is more building under the ground on this site than there is above the ground. If you were to go under every pillar of this building, 
you'll find out that there is three and a half meters deep and a pad by about seven by three by about a meter deep of concrete with steel reinforcing in it and then a pillar that comes up out of that. And I think, if I, don't re if I remember, I think there's like 200 of those. Now when you're putting 200 pillars under the ground, it costs a lot of money. But this building couldn't stand without that. The fruit of it remains. It's the same in your life. It reminds me kind of of the Chinese bamboo tree. You know the story, don't you? The Chinese bamboo tree, the farmer plants it, and then he waters it. He waters it for not one year, not two years, not three years, not four years. Five years he waters that tree. And it apparently doesn't grow at all for five years. But in the fifth year, that tree can grow 60 feet in 60 days. Now the question is, did it grow 60 feet in 60 days or did it grow 60 feet in five years? See, some of you see somebody explode and they think, oh my gosh, they're so lucky. No, you don't know what was under the ground. You don't know what came first. You don't know what came first. So I began to teach this message of first fruits. In fact, I wrote a book. And I wish everybody would get the book. It's called First Fruits, original title. Uh, First Fruits. And uh, if I've ever written, if ever I've written something, this, when, when I went to write this, I had 400 pages of manuscript. That would have turned into probably about um, 800 pages of book. We've reduced it down to about 150 pages. There's just so much research around this. But the, the, the point of the matter is, I, I, I'm trying to get something into the hands of people that will bless them. Nothing has blessed me more in our church than watching people give first fruits. Now, the, the message that I write in the book and, and, and the thing I want you to understand is that God is very interested in our offerings. In fact, God has five ways that we give. Five things, and I, I depict them in the book. There's five ways that we all get to give. We get to give offerings. We get to give first fruits, tithes alms, and sacrificial giving, sacrificial offerings. And, uh, you know, you should all learn to be faithful in your offerings. Offerings is as God prompts you, and it's not just in church. Sometimes God has you give offerings in other ministries and other situations. And, uh, you know, but God wants his house taken care of. Tithes belong to the house where you're being fed. If you're being fed even online from our ministry, and this is your church online, you should be tithing here. That's an interesting point. First fruits is the first of anything. And if you get the first and you get it blessed, then it guarantees that the rest will be blessed. And I'm going to teach about that in just a minute. Pastors, we, as preachers, we love to preach this. Uh, not because we're after, I, I'm not after your money, I'm after your blessing. Amen? Amen. But the two that I want to talk about is alms. Be generous in your alms. The Bible says if you are generous to give to the poor, there's a God in heaven who sees and he'll reward you. He'll pay you back, he says. And, you know, I've noticed that some people get a little bit upset because there's beggars on every corner today and, ah, we can't be bothered with it. Don't, don't, be, don't be too harsh on them. They may be on a scam. They may. 
They, they may not have any other way to do it. That's all they know. God doesn't see their scam. God sees your heart. So I get $1 notes, and whenever I have a $1 note, I don't spend it on anything. I keep it in my ashtray in my car, and whenever I see someone, I make sure that they have a dollar. Or, like my wife, she has food in her car. She carries food around with her, and she's constantly giving something away. Take care of the poor. Take care of those that are less fortunate. Do your alms. And then finally, sacrificial giving. If you've never given sacrificially, and sacrificially is when you give what you should have for yourself, it's going to cost you. It's painful to give sacrificially. Uh, I'll never forget the first time God told me to give $100. I thought I was going to die. <laughs> I, I, I mean, $100, when he told me to give it, was a lot of money for me. For me. Now, uh, you know, I just couldn't see how I could survive after I gave that $100. wasn't much longer than God stretched me. It was a thousand dollars. And I'll never forget the first time I gave a thousand dollars. I just knew that, well, this is it. You know, we're never going to recover from that. <laughs> Back then, that's how I felt. I mean, but it was God teaching me. Then I'll never forget 10,000. And then when one year he said, you give a hundred thousand, I thought, what? <laughs> what? That's more than I earn. Which is true. It's more than I earn. You know, by the way, you know, if you think I can live on a pastor's salary, uh, you're mistaken. See, you have to understand something. The church and being a pastor is not my source. And I don't come here to take money from you. God has given me means to supply for my family and for me. And I'm very grateful for what he's given me. But I'm not here to teach you about money so that I can get an offering. In fact, if somebody is doing that and it's all about them getting money from you, they're probably a false prophet and a false teacher. Because the kingdom of God is not about money. It's not about eating and drinking. We need money, but it's not money for me as the head man. God provides my needs. And yes, there are mechanisms and things in place and some of you are very generous towards me and my family and I appreciate that. But the point is, if I extort that from you, if I draw on you and I suck on you to get it, just watch what happens. In the end, it cannot be blessed. Is anybody listening? So God set up a mechanism, a pattern, and a principle in the Old Testament that goes all the way through the New Testament. By the way, tithing is not law. Tithing is before the law. Tithing is throughout the whole of Scripture. In fact, every man or every woman of God who ever met God gave a tithe. It just was in them. Jesus taught in the New Testament, he said to the Pharisees and the Sadducees, he said, you are so detailed about the way you give. You tithe the mint. You tithe the cumin. He says, you, you, you're down to the, the last seed in your tithing he says, but you've forgotten the weightier matters of the law. He says, you've forgotten the things of righteousness and of judgment. He says, you should not have only done the tithing. He said, but don't forget these other things. He says, don't, it's not wrong that you tithe. Jesus said it was okay to tithe. In fact, he recommended it. Jesus was a tither. Jesus was a giver. So the, the fact of the matter is that tithing is something we do as, as Christians. You know, and uh, so is first fruits. 
And my greatest delight is to watch first fruits being given because of what it does in your life. And I'd like to just have you turn to the scriptures here. We're going to look at the book of Exodus, the 23rd chapter, and I'd like to start in verse 14. And I'd like to just break it down for you. Verse 14, it says, three times you shall keep a feast unto me in the year. You shall keep the feast of unleavened bread. So now, three times we keep the feasts of God in a year. How many of you know there's seven feasts, and they center around three different times in the year? Three times a year in the Old Testament, they would present themselves to God. In the New Testament, you have to understand something. Then we were an agricultural society. Today we're a monetary society. Today we're a money society. So although we celebrate the feasts, we celebrate them a bit differently because we don't have lambs and sheep and produce. And even if we do, we exchange that for money and it's a monetary system. But then it wasn't a monetary system. It was a, it was a uh, agricultural system. So three, t- three times you shall keep the feast unto me in the year. Thou shalt keep the feast of unleavened bread. That's the feast of Passover, okay? So we, we do that every year. And uh, thou shalt eat unleavened bread for seven days as I commanded thee in the appointed time in the month of Abib. For in it you, you came out from Egypt and none shall appear before me empty-handed. God says in these feasts you don't come before me empty-handed. So here's the feast of Passover. He says when you come, what do you bring? Well, there you bring an offering. Now, there's five kinds of offerings that you can bring in the Old, in the Old Testament. You can bring uh, a sin offering. You can believe, bring a, a, a peace offering. You can believe, bring a blessing offering. There's all kinds of things that you can bring. Now, I'm not going to get into that today, but here he says, don't pre- he says, present your offering, but don't come before me empty-handed. This time of year, you bring a lamb, okay? Uh, if you don't have a price of a lamb, you can bring two doves. All right, it's for every scale of, of society, but we all come with something. Then it says, and at the feast of harvest, you bring the first fruits of your labor. Now, harvest, the feast of harvest is the beginning of the harvest. And so what happens is when you plant a field, back then especially, you didn't plant the whole field. You didn't have tractors. You had an ox-drawn plow. And as you plowed a certain part of the field, You'd come and then you'd start planting it. And then you'd plow some more and you'd plant some more and you'd plow some more. So it'd be a season of harvest and a season of planting. As the first harvest came in the beginning of the season, you'd go out and you'd take off a portion of that. There's no size. It doesn't say how much. It says a portion. I think it's according to your faith. But if the first is blessed, you take that to the priest. If the first is blessed, then you're guaranteed that the rest of the harvest will be blessed. The dew won't get it, the, the, the moth, the mildew, the, 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 the hail, the, the flood, the, the, the sun won't smite it. You're going to get the whole harvest. If the first is blessed, then the rest is blessed. Amen. I like that idea. Okay, and it's much the same today. He says, uh, then he says, uh, and the feast of harvest, the first fruits of your labors, which thou hast sowed in the field, and the feast of ingathering which is at the end of the year when thou hast gathered in the labors of thy field. Three times a year all thy males shall appear before the Lord God. Thou shalt not offer the blood of my sacrifice with leavened bread, neither shall the fat of my sacrifice remain until the morning. The first of the first fruits of thy land thou shalt bring into the house of the Lord thy God. Now, when I taught this in the early days, I taught it as the first fruit was the tithe. I didn't know any better. And, and the way I taught it was this. 
I would, I would say, I'd line everybody up and I'd say, okay, here's all your bills. There's 10 different bills and, and your money is parceled out. And I said, many of you pay all your bills and if there's anything left, you give the last as the tithe. I said, that's not how God wants it. I said, God wants you to give the first and then pay all the bills. So he's the first fruit. Well, that's not what the first fruit is. The Bible, I, 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 that's what I thought it was until I read the Bible. Then the Bible says that we're to bring of our tithes and our first fruits. How many of you know tithes and means there's something else? Tithes and first fruits. So they're, they're different things. The tithe, I believe, should be the very first of your harvest, but the first fruit is something entirely different. The first is what protects your crops, it protects your future, it protects your hope. As you give your first, it blesses the rest. So today, I have many people that have begun to do this in their lives and it just blesses me. They get a promotion, they'll bring the first paycheck or a portion of it. I say, Pastor, pray first fruits with me. Pray this blessing. Guess what? It's not long and boy, they get a promotion, they get a raise. Uh, I have one guy, he is for 15, oh, more than 15, almost 20 years he's walked with me. And his first fruit has brought promotion, 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 promotion. And, and it's not magic. It's not a magic wand. Just because you give the first fruit doesn't mean you get the promotion. What it means is that you have cultivated something that if you labor, if you work, if you do what you're supposed to do, God can bless your labor. And, and he says that something will happen for you. And I'm going to show you that in a minute. So first fruits are very important. It's not that you just give them. And, and, and as a preacher, I want to preach the heck out of this. Why? Because not that I want your money, but we do need the money of the, of, into the church. And God has made this mechanism for that. But I'm not seeking the money. I'm seeking your blessing. Amen. So I want to read the second half of the chapter. Because the first half says, I command you to come three times a year and to give of your offerings, your first fruits, and your tithes. Here's why. He says the second half of that chapter says this. If you do this, behold, I will send an angel before you to keep you in your way, to bring you into the place that I have prepared for you. Man, I'll tell you what, I, that verse right there is loaded. How many of you have an angel? Everybody raise your hand. How many of you know you all have angels? The angels of the Lord are encamped around about you. Some of you have more than one. I think the way you live, you need them. <laughs> angels. There are angels on assignment for the believer. And he says, for those who are faithful in tithes, first fruits, and offerings, he says, I will cause your angel, the angel that's assigned to you, to go before you, to keep you in your way, and to bring you to the place that I have prepared. Now herein lies a problem because many of you aren't going to the place God has prepared. You're going where you've prepared. I'm shocked at how many people, how many businessmen, they come to me and they say, will you bless my business? I say, what is your business? Well, they can't tell me what it is. I just want to be blessed. I said, what has God told you to do? See, what happens is often you're doing what you want to do. And it's not what God prepared for you. It's what you prepared for you. Do you know how I know? Because at the end of your life, there's nothing left. If you prepared it, there'll be nothing left. There's no blessing. How many of you have parents that did that to you? 
How many of you knew what your parents' business was? If you're a businessman, or if you're a so-called businessman, if you're working and you can't tell your children how you make your money, if you can't show them how you make your money, you're a thief. You're a liar. You're a cheat. Because you know you're just ducking and diving. And, you, and hey, you just as soon steal as earn it. And how, is that how you're going to train your children? But you want God to bless that. If you can't say amen, say oh my. Oh my. No, I, I tell you, we play this little church game. Oh, God bless me. Yeah, what, what, your theft? I met some guys in town, they're drug dealers. They're Christian drug dealers, but they're drug dealers. Pastor, pastor, we want to bless you. I said, what are you going to bless me with? Our business. I said, what's your business? Ah, ah, ah. Where do you go to church, they told me. Yeah, but we pay our tithe. I said, yeah, but you're destroying the lives of people and that money is blood money. I said, God can't bless your business. No, no, God's blessing us. No, God's not blessing you. You're cursed. You're cursed with a curse. You can't be involved in that and be blessed. You can't be destroying lives and God bless you. Some of you in the pharmaceutical business. You know that some of that stuff is deadly. The pharmaceutical company knows that they're deadly. They even build it into their budget. We'll make 60 billion. We know the lawsuits will come. We'll pay 20 billion. We'll still make a 40 billion profit. They know it. It's unrighteous. Come on. Oh no, we're not supposed to talk like this. Yes, we are. We're supposed to talk like this. Let me tell you something. If you'll build your business on righteous practice, if you'll sow your seeds, if you'll sow your first fruit, little by little, grace by grace, from faith to faith, from glory to glory, from strength to strength, your, building, your business will grow. And one day you'll be able to look your children in the eyes and your grandchildren in the eyes and say, look what we built, son. I'm handing it on to you and your grandkids. My grandkids are going to have something that will stand for in perpetuity. Put that scripture back up there. He says, but is it the place that you prepared? See, a lot of people, I think, I don't know if I said this, but a lot of people say, they get what they want, but they don't want what they get. It says, beware of your angel. I think it also is beware of the angel, the angel of the Lord, which is Jesus. Obey his voice. This is the year of the voice of the Son. Don't provoke him, for he will not pardon your transgressions. For my name is in him. But if you shall indeed obey his voice and do all that I speak, then I will be an enemy to your enemies. Boy, isn't that something I'd like? Wouldn't you like that to know that God is on your side? See, I, I love to pray first fruits. People come and I say, okay, let's, let's, let's pray this blessing. He's an enemy to your enemies. How many of you have enemies? Wouldn't you love God to be the enemy to your enemies? Wow. He says, I'll be an adversary to your adversaries, for my angel shall go before you, and he'll bring thee into the, uh, to, unto the Amorites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Canaanites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. I don't think we have any of those. I think we have electric lights. He says, and I'll cut them off. You shall not bow down to their gods, nor serve them. 
nor do after their works, but you shall utterly overthrow them and quite break down their images. That's where some of you are falling down as well. You're worshiping the gods of your enemies. How many of you know that Satanism is an enemy of God? How many of you know that the witchcraft that's practiced in this country is anathema to God? It's an enemy of God. Some of you on Sunday are in church worshiping Almighty God, and on Monday you're down at Mbuyanahanda statue doing all kinds of incantations. You're off to the witch doctor. Every kind of muti imaginable, but the Bible teaches us that the Lord your God is your healer. So why are you looking somewhere else? Oh, but you want God to bless you. You want the first to be blessed and the rest. Well, how about if we trust him? How about if we put this to practice? I got one amen out of that. But the time has come. Our nation is not blessed. Why? How can you dedicate the nation to a witch or an ancestor? But we know what that ancestor was. We pay lip service to God. The voice of the people is the voice of God. No, it's not. That's blasphemy. The voice of God is the voice of God, and it's time that we obey the voice of God. It's ridiculous. We play this. We want, we want some pastor to come and pray some little sick prayer over the nation, and we don't even believe in God. We don't believe in God. Our nation does not believe in God. We are corrupt, corrupted to the core. We're not building for our future generations. The first is not blessed. We don't bless the first. That's why the rest is a mess. Then we run to every shrine and every witch doctor and every demonic thing in the nation. And we know it. Even to humans and animal sacrifices. God says, I hate it. But for those of you that will trust me and bless me, I'll bless you. I'll bless your bread. You shall, you shall serve the Lord your God and he shall bless your bread. He'll bless your water and he'll take sickness away from the midst of thee. Look what else it says. Go on to the next slide. There's, there shall nothing cast their young or be barren in your land. The number of your days I will fulfill. <laughs> you won't get your life cut short. He'll fulfill your days. You'll live long and you will prosper. I will send fear before them before you, and I'll destroy the people to whom you shall come. And I will make your enemies turn their backs on you. I will send hornets before you, and they'll drive out the Hivite, the Canaanite, the Hittite from before thee. I will not drive them out from before you in one year. Why? Because the land may become desolate and the beasts of the field would multiply against you. But little by little, I'll drive them out from before you until you be increased and you inherit the land. I will set your boundaries. I'll, I'll give you boundary lines that'll fall in good places. How many of you know that God sets boundaries? Some of you are encroaching on other people's boundaries. You're thieves. You take somebody and you go to work for them and then you steal their people, you steal their business, you steal their clients, you steal, and then you want God to bless you. You're a thief. You're a liar. There's nothing in that that can be blessed. If you can't be faithful in another man's house, how could God bless your house? But no, you don't care because you don't honor God. If the first is corrupted, the rest will be corrupt. Your life is corrupt. 
when we play church. Oh, hallelujah, I'll give a little offering in church and praise the Lord, God will overlook my sin. No, he won't. You've corrupted yourself. I'll deliver the inhabitants of the land into your hand. You shall drive them out from before you. But don't make any covenant with them, nor with their gods. Don't, don't, don't get in bed with the sinful, wicked guys. Let me, let me just explain something to you. You know, when I, when I climbed Mount Kilimanjaro, I'll never forget that climb. I was 60 years old, and my sons and I and a few friends, there are 14 of us, we started up that climb. And you know, when you, in the lower climbs, it's easy. It's 1,200 feet, and you're walking, and it's lots of oxygen, you're breathing, and it's beautiful. Then you go up through the rainforest. The rainforests are full of ferns and trees and monkeys and all kinds of stuff. It's just amazing. Then you get a little higher, and it's kind of a deciduous kind of forest. There's, the, 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 the atmosphere changes. Then you get up above about 10,000 feet, and it gets very sparse up there. In fact, it's like a lunar landscape. It's like it's really weird. And then the clouds come down. It's like you're walking in a bubble. And then you climb up to 12,000 feet for base camp. And you get to base camp, and it's getting cold, and it's harder to breathe because you're up high. And they say, okay, you have two hours to sleep, then you bundle up, and you're going to climb the mountain. Little do you know that after two hours, they give you a bowl of soup to eat. And you're starving. They say, only soup tonight. What? And you start to climb that night. 11 o'clock at night, you start. It's straight up. It's like on a stair-step machine for eight hours. You take five steps. One, two, about this pace. Three, four, and you're out of breath. Catch your breath, take five more steps. And you do that all night long. What they don't tell you is that that path and that mountain is the filthiest mountain in the world. Filthy. 200,000 people attempt the ascent every year. Somewhere on that journey up that hill, as you hit altitude, your body begins to reject all the poisons and all the toxins. And you have to pull aside. And you will either have diarrhea or you will vomit, or you will do both. Everyone does it. Once you go off that trail to do your duty, it is filthy. You've never seen a filthier mountain. Now, it's all frozen, because up there it's above, it's frozen. There's, there's, it's freezing the whole year round. Eight hours later, you hit Stella Summit. The sun just begins to peek over the horizon. You still have an hour to go to get to Uhuru. Here's what God taught me. That that place where the atmosphere changed, it's what's called the corruption zone. Whether it's a mountain, whether it's a business, whether it's your life, whether it's a marriage, it doesn't matter. Somewhere in life, we all enter into the corruption zone. In this church, I watched many of my bankers. We had 11 banks formed in this church, 11. There's not one that has lasted, not one's left. Somewhere along the way, they all corrupted themselves. They got corrupted. It's amazing how many people 
while they're on the journey need a pastor. They need somebody to guide them. They need counsel. But then they get too big for themselves and they don't need God. They don't need a pastor. They don't need to honor God because they're too big now. Instead of serving the house of God, they make their own foundations and they spend their money and they spend the, and the people's money. And they corrupted themselves in the corruption zone. Now, I'm not mad at them. In fact, today I'm a lot smarter as a pastor. I guide people differently. I'm helping you because I know the corruption zone is coming. I didn't know it then. I didn't know it was happening. But as you go up into higher ranks, you have higher demonic powers that want to take you out because you can be more influential. So some of you want to have that influence, but you don't want to pay the price. There's a price to pay. But God says, if you'll honor me, if you'll stay with me, if you'll pay your tithes, your offerings, your first fruits, and you'll walk with me, and I'll, I'll have angels defend you. I'll have an angel go before you. I'll protect you. I'll keep you against. See, our warfare is not just physical. It's also spiritual. Sometimes we forget the spiritual side of it. You think you can just do business. Many of you do business in the Babylonian system. As soon as you get a little bit of money, you're right in the Babylonian system. Let me tell you how that works. Some of you are going to get corrupted by the system itself. You begin to go up in the ranks of your business and your company, and one day the boss will come to you. Hey, we, we have a promotion for you, but listen, this weekend I want you to meet the big boss. He's coming. Or there's some powerful person. Now, you're going to meet them, and you go out. They're going to go out to the farm, or they're going to go up to Victoria Falls, or we're flying some exotic place, and you know, you have, you know, they're, hey, they're going to want you to have a few drinks and, you know, and already you're starting to feel compromised. But, hey, you want this promotion. So then they say, oh, by the way, you know, uh, remember this area that you're in charge of? We need you just to overlook this thing. If you overlook that, we're going to give you this promotion. So you have to do some kind of corruption to get your promotion. See, the world, the world corrupts you. Once you've done that corruption, guess what? They have you. Because the next promotion will come. And they'll give you the promotion, don't worry, because it's only money for them. See, in the Babylonian system, you serve mammon. In the kingdom, we serve God. And God rewards us with money. But it's a tool, not what we're seeking. A little bit later, they come to you and they say, hey, listen. Now, there's another promotion. There's another outing. Uh, to get this promotion, remember the last one? You, you got to do a little bit more this time. Sorry. In fact, they never say sorry. <laughs> but when you say, oh, no, I can't do that, they say, are you sure? Well, if you don't do it, uh, you're probably going to lose your job because we still have this against you from the last time. See, you're trapped. Now you're snared. You don't think it works that way? Take a farm from Zanu PF. How many pastors do you know that they don't have a voice anymore because they're owned? How many are representing political parties? We don't represent any political party here. I'm not against any, but I'm not for any either. I'm for righteousness. Where do you stand? Let God be true and every man a liar. Come on. Don't shut me down because I'm preaching good. Say, Pastor, I think you should lose your notes more often. 
See, my heart's desire is for you to prosper and really be blessed. But God's way, it may not come overnight. It says little bit by little bit, line upon line, precept upon precept, will I bless you. You know, I watch many people, and what happens is they don't understand life. They don't even understand the church. You know, you come to church here, and, and, and you say, you know, oh, how many of you have ever been offended in church? How many have never been offended in church? Well, come up after the service, I'll offend you personally. <laughs> of course you're going to get offended. What is this? This is the most weird group of people you could ever get together in one place. It's so eclectic. You guys would get together like this in no other place except the church. And so what's going to happen? We come together, we rub each other the wrong way. We bump each other. I was reading John Gottman the other day, and he said that in marriage, great marriages, he says the best marriages only agree on 9% of things. 9%! He says the other 91% is conflict. He says in great marriages, the masters of marriage aren't that they have conflict, they've learned how to resolve conflict. Can I tell you something? That's what church is. We're not going to agree on hardly anything. It's that can we resolve it? You know, our church has been through so many different things. I've made mistakes. We've, we've done crazy stuff. The devil's attacked us. Some of you have attacked us. I didn't say you were being used of the devil, but I think you were. I mean, it's just been crazy. But guess what? We hung in there. We said, okay, we're going to work it through. Let's figure it out. Let's solve these issues. And we're still the church. It's the same in business. It's the same in marriage. The Bible says that there is life in the cluster. If you get a cluster of grapes, there's life in that cluster. Have you ever taken a cluster of grapes and seen a cluster? But remove a grape from the cluster, it'll become a raisin. That's why I want you in a cell group. That's why I want you in church. There's life in the cluster. But if you get separated, you'll dry up. How many have you seen people, they get separated, they get offended, they get separated from the church, they get separated from fellowship, and they just dry up? Oh, maybe their lifestyle separates them. They get so wealthy that they can no longer fellowship with us peons, us poor masses, the povo. But I watch them. As they go up, they get drier and drier, separated from people. They may be rich in finances, but poor in spirit. The first is blessed, the rest is blessed. I had another illustration. What was it? Hmm. Yeah, I was. I meant to give this earlier. You know, when we think of firsts, did you know that when you give, you don't know what it's going to produce? It's like an orange. You can count the number of seeds in an orange, but you can't count the number of oranges in a seed. You don't know what your life will produce if you do it God's way. I want that for you. So when I teach hard, when I preach the truth, it's not to shame you. 
Some of you have really defiled yourself. You're in that corruption zone. Others of you have just run your businesses not even knowing what to do. And I don't blame you. I'm just saying, hey, it's time, though, to bring it online and let God bless you. It, it's a place to repent, to turn from your wicked ways, to say, God, I'm going to present myself before you. I'm going to hallow you. I'm not going to turn to my ancestors. I'm not going to turn to witchcraft. I'm going to turn to you, and I'm going to trust you with all my heart. I'm going to honor you with my tithes and my offerings and my first fruits and my alms and my sacrificial giving. And, and I'm going to trust you. Little by little, you'll drive out my enemies. Little by little, you'll prosper me. Little by little, you'll build me. And one day, I'll be able to look my children in their eyes and say, I've left you an inheritance. I'll be able to look my grandchildren in their eyes and say, I've built something. And here's how I did it. It's for you. How many of you can't look your parents in the eyes? In fact, your parents come to you and they say, we paid for your education, now you have to pay for us. That's your, you're, you're, you're responsible to pay. That's not true. That's not the Bible. That's culture. It's a false culture. You, I gladly pay for my children. But I don't expect them to pay for me. I'll leave them an inheritance. I'm not asking them to take care of me. I'll take care of myself, thank you. My God is my source, not my children. I'm not going to put that burden on a 21-year-old little boy. It's your turn to take care of me now. What? What? You, you, you didn't do the right thing. You didn't raise your children. Don't tell me that that's how God builds. It's not. You're offending my culture. Good. I meant to. You're offending God. You're offending the Word of God who gave you every good thing, every blessing, but you won't take it because you're going to hold culture higher than the Word of God. Now, you can get offended and leave the church, or you can repent, and I'm opening the altar for you. If you're online, repent. Just repent. Say, hey, man, I, I, our culture in this area, we have good things in our culture, but in this area... We've been wrong. Ask yourself, can you teach your children how you're doing your business? Can you show them, and would you be proud of them to do what you do? Are you earning your money in a way that you would be proud of your son to say, this is how you labor with your own hands. This is how you work. I've stolen from no man. Because if you can't, it's unrighteous. It's wrong. And there's no blessing in it. And you'll end poor. Or you may end wealthy with money, but you'll end poor in relationships. You probably have three houses, small houses. <laughs> that doesn't bring blessing, I can tell you that. One wife. And yeah, we don't agree, so guess what? We have to learn how to work it out. Is anybody listening? Yes. Amen. Anybody saying amen? Amen. How many are saying oh my? How many are saying ouch? How many are going to repent? Let's all stand. Father, we thank you today. Father, I thank you that this word is a true word. I thank you, Father, that even as I've spoken it, I know that this is piercing the hearts of men and women. 
So those of you online, I'm asking you to pick up the phone. Say, look, God's speaking to me. I'm asking you to get into a Bible-believing church where they teach the Bible. They're spirit-filled. And they're not doing some hokey, weird stuff with your money. They're building, line upon line, precept upon precept. They have good doctrine. It's not about the holy man of God. It's about the Bible. It's about Jesus, the only righteous one. Not about the man of God. It's about Jesus. Because in this church, I want you to know, I'm only a servant. Call somebody. Say, I want to be a part of a church that honors Jesus, that honors God. We can direct you to one. You need to repent. If you're doing things that are wicked and evil, it's time to repent. Our nation needs to repent. We can't keep stealing from each other and ask God to bless us. We can't call ourselves a Christian nation and keep doing what we're doing, because we're not, in name only. If God's pricking your heart, don't sit there, respond. Call that number right now and say, help me. Let's see what happens. Let's see what God can do. We love you. We'll see you back here next week. The rest of you, the altar is open. There'll be no pastor. There'll be nobody here to pray with you, unless you want somebody. They'll be there. You can turn and find one of our pastors. They're all in the front row here. But this is sometimes the time to just go to the altar and say, God, I know somebody that's in the contamination zone. They're being contaminated. They're in the, that zone where they've destroyed themselves. God, I'm in that zone. I can feel I'm in that zone today. Eesh. I'm not proud of what I do. Now look, you may not be able to get out of it today, but let me tell you something. The Bible says if you confess your sin, he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and to cleanse you. He'll guide you out of all these unrighteous things. He'll help you establish a solid business. He'll help you establish yourself on solid ground. But what's your life going to be at the end if you don't start? I'll tell you what it'll be. It'll just be like everything you've seen in this country. There's no solid foundation anymore. What will the nation do if the foundation be destroyed? It's time for us to rebuild our foundations. Thanks for listening. For more teachings and videos, visit celebrationmen.org.